today we are going to, um, my name is Callie, if you're wondering, me and my husband co-pastor here, if I don't know you, um, and today we are going to be talking about our lack and his leftovers, how we serve a God who is more than enough. We have been in a series called Relationship Versus Religion, um, and I don't know about you, but I have loved the series. I'm so thankful for this series. It has brought healing, it, reminding me of things that I maybe once knew, but we quickly forget um, in this world and in our flesh. Um, we forget. And so I'm so thankful for that series. But today we're going to take a little break and just talk about our lack. How we sometimes as people in this world, we have a lot of lack. We can't provide for ourselves. We don't have the resources that we need. We're in situations where we maybe don't know how to get out of it ourselves. But we serve a God who has more than enough, is more than enough, has all of the resources of heaven. So this morning, I pray that it would just encourage you that we would leave knowing that we have access to Jesus Christ. I love it in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says this, God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now, this verse can be very difficult if you're in a place saying, I don't even know that I have enough for myself, let alone leftovers to share with others. So we're going to be unpacking this verse a little bit later. But he is the God of leftovers, of running over, the God of more than enough. We do not serve a God who just simply is enough. He's more than enough, more than we need. So let's unpack our God and his ability a little bit before we get started. Who is God? And I love it because we see in scriptures, in the book of Job, when Job is probably at the most lack you can possibly be have as a human on this earth, <laughs> He has lost everyone and everything in his life. All of his family, his friends pretty much have died, have left him. He has lost his livestock. He has now lost all of his health. And he is at the lowest point that he can be. And his friends are basically like, well, I guess you're not a good enough Christian. <laughs> He's basically at the lowest point that you can be. And this is what God says to him. And this used to shock me, but I love this. I go back to this verse all the time, and it says this. In chapter 38, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. In the midst of the lack, in the midst of the storm, God speaks out of it. And he said, who is it that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what is going on, God? And then he says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set and who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Do you, and then it goes on in verse 39, skipping down. It continues this, and then in 39 it says, Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Man, I love this passage because I think we can read this and think, man, God, this is cutthroat. 
right? You've got a servant of yours laying here in the worst lack, the worst situation. But now that I know God better and I've experienced him more and I've walked out my own seasons of lack, I see so clearly that God is saying, look at me. Don't look at your circumstances. Remember who I am. I laid the foundations of the earth. I told the waves to halt. I provide for the lions in their den. Even when a small baby raven has lack of food, I provide for it. He's a powerful God who also sees the lack even of a baby raven. And we know this in Matthew 6. It says this, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? It's like, hey, Job, look at me. I can, I can only think that God knows that in the worst circumstances, in the worst things we can go through on this earth, it is so important where we set our sights. I don't know about you, but when I did driver's ed, we had to do this test where we started out at one side of the football field, which my driver's ed teacher, I think, wasn't normal. I don't think I had a normal experience. Like, we would go to McDonald's. We'd get in the car and be like, where do you want to go? I don't know, Walmart, McDonald's, all these places. We would just drive and eat, and I don't know if I learned much. But I loved it. So we would start out on one side of the football field, and he would say, okay, close your eyes. And then we would drive and see where we ended up. And then at one point, he said, okay, I just want you to look, just glance this way for like six seconds or something. And you put your foot on the gas, and you do it. And then you see, as when you stop, how far off course you actually got by simply looking away for a second. This is why we have so many people who simply look at your phone for a second, and next thing you know, you have drifted off of the road. Because when we lose sight, when we lose focus, when I was 16, I lost focus for a second, went down this little embankment in my dad's truck into a chain, what is it, a bob wire fence, and I didn't know how to get back up, so I just kept driving and was just like, like the whole way till the fence stopped. My dad was so mad, but I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But we do this so many times often, right? We veer off course because we've lost sight, and then we just gas it and like, let's make it out. We just got to make it out, right? Where we focus matters. God here is not being mean to Job. He's saying, Job, you got to look at me if you want to make it out. you got to look at me. Because life happens. This world happens. Where we look matters. And then God sent Jesus to this earth. God in the flesh. Man, if we wonder who God is, we can look at Jesus. Who he sent here to say, hey, this is me in the physical this is what I'm like. This is who I am. Jesus. Jesus walking on the earth. And so we're just going to read through scripture, a passage of him, just a few things that he did as he walked with his disciples, ministering to people. And we're going to pick up in Matthew 14, and it says this. As soon as Jesus heard the news. So basically right before this, John the Baptist, who was his close friend, had just been beheaded and had been killed. And so he had just just now heard the news that his friend had died. So in the midst of his grief, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Here we have Jesus mourning. He was fully God, but fully man. He knew what it was like to grieve, to mourn, 
And here he is mourning the tragic loss of a friend. And then it goes on and says, But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped back from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed the sick. Man, someday I'm going to do a sermon on this when you just want to, like, get away, but the needs keep following you, right? <laughs> Is that the story of life? I know it's the story of being a pastor. Like, man, I need a moment. Like, I'm grieving, but the needs just keep following me. Like, leave me alone, right? But we all have that. Man, maybe as a parent, like, I just need a moment. I just need a break. I'm struggling. I'm in grief. Give me a moment, right? But this is Jesus trying to get away, but he doesn't say, no, 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 I'm having a moment. I love it. He has compassion, and he healed their sick. He turned a moment of mourning for him into a moment of life for others, a moment of death to a moment of healing. And it goes on in verse 15, it says, that evening the disciples came to him, so he continues, and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But they had only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. I love it. They're like, we got to go to the city and get the resources of the city, because we're out here in the middle of nowhere. Like, we got to go to the city. Right? I can relate to this. <laughs> right? God, are we ever going to have the resources of Oklahoma City or Tulsa? Like, we're out here on this country island. Right? But he's like, no, no, no. I have the resources of heaven right here in the midst of this pasture. And I love it. It says, what does he do? He looks up to heaven. I think at this moment he was calling on the resources of heaven. He was bringing the resources that he has access to down to this place that didn't have a lot of resources and multiplied it to a point that there were leftovers. 5,000 men, and that's not even counting the women and children, and there were leftovers. He just had come through turning death to life, healing people's sickness even out of his own hurt, and now he's turning a remote place into a place of abundance. They didn't need to go to the city where there was hunger. He didn't just provide enough food. He provided leftovers, more than enough. In a place that had nothing to offer, he offered not just food, but the bread of life. Heaven's resources came to a remote place. And then he continues. We're picking up in verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. I love it. He still was like, okay, I'm going to get alone. So he sent them away, and night fell while he was there alone. But here comes people's needs. <laughs> Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. 
In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. I love this passage because we talk about it a lot, that our God, like Jesus, walked on water. But what we fail to really grasp is that Jesus didn't just walk on water. He walked on the waves. It said there were heavy waves. This was a storm. The wind was high. And he was walking atop the waves. This wasn't like a calm, peaceful lake, and he was just like gliding over it. This was a storm. There were waves, and he was walking above the storm. Look, you can only walk atop something that you are master of, right? Once again, he's saying, I got it. I am master over the waves. I can walk on top of waves. He's the master. It's almost as if this whole time he's creating a narrative. Look at me. Look at me. You don't need the city's resources. You have me. Look at me. You don't need healing from any other place. You have me. I have the resources of heaven. Okay, the storm is all around you. The waves are high. Here I am, standing on top of it. Look at me. And I don't believe God does this in a shameful, like, shame on you way. I think it's in a helpful way. Look at me. Here I am. I got you. I'm above it. I have the resources of heaven for you. Look at me. Don't be afraid. Even in the turbulent times. And not just here I am on the boat with you. Here I am above the storm. Walking on top of those waves for you. You're okay. I'm here. I'm the one who turns death to life. I heal people's sickness. I turn lack into leftovers. I'm the one who walks on the waves. I can take situations of mourning and bring healing. I can give not just physical food, but eternal food. For the most desolate places of this world and the most desolate places of your soul. I'm here. I can bring the resources of the city to the pasture. Look at me. Not the circumstance, not the situation, not the height of the waves. Look at me. And then it comes to a head here where what he calls Peter out. It goes on in verse 28. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? But I love it because Jesus didn't make any reference to the storm here. He didn't say, why did you believe the storm? Or why did you look at the way he said, why did you doubt me? You've seen what I can do. I'm standing right in front of you. Why did you doubt me? Who are you looking at? Look at me. The waves will make you doubt. The circumstances will make you doubt. Your own lack will make you doubt. Jesus had been the same God. He hadn't failed them yet. Look at Jesus. And when they climbed back in the boat in verse 32, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshipped him, saying, you really are the son of God. 
Now we see Jesus calming the storm. Where there were storms, he brought peace. So basically from death, he turned it to life. Sickness to health. Hunger, he satisfies. He turns remote place into a place of abundance. He turns the storm to calm. He walks on the waves. He makes chaos into peace. And lack turns the leftovers in his hand. This is just a chapter where we see Jesus on the earth, a representation of God. Heaven has come to earth. The resources of heaven. And he did this all in a weak place. He was fully God, yes, but he was also fully human. Mourning the loss of a loved one. And he did all of this. Man, our God is more than enough. So where's our gaze at today? Psalm 16 says this, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Man, I understand this prayer because so many times I want to pray, God, calm the storm. <laughs> Make it stop. Get me out of here, right? But even the psalmist is writing, Lord, I keep my eyes on you, Lord, and I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. And then in Mark 10, as Jesus continues his ministry, we see a blind man who couldn't even see Jesus but set his sights on him, to set his gaze on Jesus Christ who was walking through his town. A blind man, a beggar, and he had been his whole life in the midst of a crowd, a loud and excited crowd, and he's someone who's full of lack, no resources to change his situation, no ability to heal himself, no ability to provide for himself, no one to help, but he still set his sights on God even when he couldn't see him. And in Mark 10 and verse 46, it says this, so then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped him and stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do, Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Man, when he couldn't even see Jesus, he kept his eyes on him. Man, where are you, God, right? Everyone's talking about seeing Jesus, but I can't see you. We've all been there, right? Man, it seems like everyone in church experienced God today, but like, I got nothing. <laughs> or like, all my neighbors are getting these miraculous checks in the mail, and I don't know how, I, I can't see Jesus at all. Where is he? I feel blind. It's blurry. How lonely for this man sitting as a beggar, people telling him to be quiet. He can't even see Jesus. <laughs> Hearing everyone being like, wow, that's Jesus. Wow, Jesus is here. Jesus just showed up. And this man being like, where? I can't see him. But he set his gaze on Jesus even without sight. In the midst of his lack, in a hopeless situation, he set his sights 
on Jesus Christ. So how do we respond as people of lack when Jesus enters, when God's here? Well, number one, Bartimaeus, he did not believe the lack. He believed for leftovers. I love this. He stayed focused. If we want to be a people, we can't believe the lack. We can't buy into the lack. We got to believe for leftovers. Look, his circumstances could have held him back. He could have believed everyone else sees him, and I don't. I don't see him. I don't see what they see. I've been left out. Good thing everyone else is worshiping. I don't feel it. Glad they see breakthrough because I don't. Glad they're shouting because I see nothing. He could have believed his lack. He could have believed his blindness, but he believed Jesus. He believed for leftovers. Man, do you know how hard this is? When I worked for Department of Human Services, we went to a training on poverty and how difficult it is for people to get out of impoverished situations. And we learned a lot about why there is a large amount of people who die of cancer who are in the midst of poverty without ever going to the doctor. And so they were teaching us and we were learning about the realities. Well, one, it's very difficult to get anything done during a day when you're living in extreme poverty because what, it takes you hours to get to the bus, which then takes you hours to get to your job at McDonald's, which then you don't get paid enough to barely afford a bus ride back. Then somehow you've got to pick your kids up and then you've got to get back to the Department of Human Services to get the cash that you need to be able to get home. And then by the time you're home, it's 10 o'clock at night. You've got to do the same thing the next day to be able to get what you need. So you're not thinking, I have cancer and I've got to live for the future. You're thinking, I have to make it today. I have to feed my children today. I have to provide today. I have to figure out how to catch 10 buses today. But this is where Bartimaeus was. But he believed for leftovers. Do you know how hard that must have been? How big of a leap that must have been for his brain? He wasn't a middle-class suburban guy being like, I'm believing for leftovers, <laughs> right? No, he's like in the trenches of poverty. He's blind. He's begging. He has no resources. And he's saying, man, I believe God can give me sight. What? I mean, that's a huge leap because he knew who Jesus was. He knew the resources that were available. He could have faith. He believed for leftovers, even in the midst of lack. But let me tell you, a lot of us, we come to the Lord with poverty mentality. Man, there's something to be said. We pray many prayers, even the Lord's prayer. Lord, give us today our daily bread. The Lord provides our daily needs, and many times we do need to focus on that. But many of us come to the Lord with poverty mentality, and we forget we have the resources of heaven at our disposal. We can ask for hundreds more people to attend this church. We can ask for this entire city to be saved. We have the resources of heaven. We don't need to ask for tiny little prayers. We can ask big prayers. You know what our mission statement was at our last church at one point? It was like for every single person in the city of Burbank, which is a humongous city in L.A., to come to know Jesus. That was the goal. But you can have those goals when you have the resources of heaven and you know it. Bartimaeus, a blind man, knew the resources of heaven stand before me. So I'm not going to ask for five more pennies to make it through today. I'm going to ask for my sight to be restored. I'm going to ask big. 
He believed for leftovers. Man, he believed the character of Jesus over the character of the world. He did not believe his circumstances, that he had no future. He didn't believe that his situation was too dire. Because he was like, man, the one who just fed thousands is here. He can turn nothing into something. He walks on the waves. Number two, he knew the source, and he knew he had access to the source. He knew where the resources were. It would have been easy for him to continue begging because he knew he'd get some change that he needed that day, but he knew where the true resources lie. Even in darkness, when it didn't look hopeful, when he couldn't see, he believed he had access to the resource. Even when everyone else told him to be quiet. You're not worthy. Look, you're bothering people. (laughs) This is Jesus. You're a beggar. Be quiet. He didn't believe it. He knew he had access as a blind beggar to Jesus, and he did. He didn't believe the lies of people, and he didn't believe the lies of himself or his circumstances. He believed Jesus. He believed he had access to the source. Look, Jesus was standing right in front of Peter when Peter began to sink. This is so interesting to me. It says that Jesus reached out and grabbed Peter. So they were in arm's length, right? Peter standing within grasping distance of Jesus, and he just begins to sink without ever reaching out to Jesus. But we do this oftentimes, and we have access to Jesus. It says that heaven is here today. It is the now and the not yet. We can reach out to the resources of heaven. We can reach out to the resources of Jesus. But many of us sink and just yell out, help. We need to reach out to the resources of heaven. We have access to heaven. We have access to Jesus Christ, the one that died and rose again. Even when the waves are high, even when we cannot see, we know where the resources are. Number three, he walked out his faith before he could see Jesus. This is where many of us get stuck. But Jesus responds to faith. We see this time and time again throughout scripture. And it's hard to talk about sometimes because sometimes we don't understand why people get healed and why some don't. While some continue to live in dire situations, while some don't. But there is a reality that we cannot ignore, and that is that Jesus responds to faith. That our faith does play a role in things. Does it always work out like we want? Absolutely not. We are all dying, so we are not all going to be healed a million times. Because at some point, we will die. At some point, our bodies will die. We are all destined to death. That will happen even if God heals us a million times. Or if we don't see that miracle and we go to heaven, then we are healed and our bodies are made new. That's a reality. But we know that on earth, Jesus responds to faith. Our faith matters. And here we have Bartimaeus responding in faith before he could see, before he had a miracle. He didn't just yell, heal me. He said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act this out before it happens. It says that he threw off his cloak. When Jesus called him, he threw off his cloak and he ran to Jesus. A cloak for a beggar would have been the thing that he sat on, the thing that he collected his money and his resources with. So for him to throw off his cloak, he is acting in faith, saying, before I have sight, I am believing I don't need this anymore. 
And many of us, we don't like to hear this because we don't want to do it. God, you're asking me to tithe before I have the resources to, I don't have excess. Where is that coming from? Right? God, you're asking me to quit before I have the next thing, which maybe isn't always a good idea. But whatever God asks, many times he asks you to step out of the boat before the storm passes. He asks us to step out in faith before we can see. Bartimaeus threw off his cloak in a crowd. It's not like he was going back to that thing. It was gone. He threw it off before he had experienced the miracle. And then I love it because he says, Rabbi, I want to see. Other translations say that he said, my rabbi. Either way, he was declaring that you are my master. You are my teacher. Rabbi. He had faith that he had access to this God. That he was not just a healer, but he was my healer. He's not just a provider. He's my provider. And how many of you know that takes faith? That takes faith to begin to pray not just like he's a healer. No, God, you are my healer. God, you're not just a provider. You are my provider, and you will provide for me. God, you are my God, my rabbi. I love it. We have to walk out our faith. Faith plays a part. One person wrote it like this, and I'm probably going to read it a couple times because it's beautiful to me. My faith is the hand that grasps his. That's faith. But it is his hand, not mine, that holds me up. My faith lays hold of the rope, but it is the rope and the person above who holds it that lifts me out of the whirl pit and the miry clay. My faith flees for refuge to the city, but it is the city that keeps me safe from the avenger of blood. So I'm going to read this again because I think this is a good description of faith and God's power. My faith is the hand that grasps his. It is the hand, though, not mine, that holds me up. My faith lays hold of the rope, but it is the rope and the person above it who holds it that lifts me out of the horrible pit in the miry clay. My faith flees for refuge to the city, but it is the city that keeps me safe from the avenger of blood. We play a part. Our faith plays a part. And many of us, we drown in the water screaming and yelling, and we've never reached out to the source. We've never grabbed hold of the hand of Jesus. We've never grabbed hold of the rope. Look, we do our part, and then it's on God. But we have to do our part. We have to step out in faith. Even when he was blind, even when the waves were big, we can grasp his hand. When Lazarus, who was a friend of Jesus, was sick and he was dying, Mary and Martha sent a note to Jesus that said, the one who you love is dying. And you think Jesus would be like, oh my gosh, I got to get back. Jesus stayed where he was for a few days. <laughs> By the time he gets back to his friend Lazarus, he had been in the tomb for four days. And Mary and Martha were like, if only you had been here, Jesus. If only you'd been here. This wouldn't be this way. But I love it because Jesus then raises Lazarus from the tomb. And I feel many of us are in situations today where we're like, well, only if you'd been here, God. But it is never too late for a miracle. It is never too late. We see in scripture that Jesus resurrects someone who's four days in the tomb. And he says, no, no, no. I wasn't late. 
I wasn't sleeping on the job. It's now time. Now is time for him to be raised. So if you are in the waiting period, it is not too late for a miracle. Don't stop walking in faith and don't stop praying. Don't be like, well, I tried that tithe thing and it just didn't work. I haven't gotten a check in the mail. You know, I've never gotten a check in the mail. Let me just be real. That has never happened. Maybe like a $12 one from some insurance or something. But, but God has always been left has always provided leftovers. It's not like a, I grabbed the rope, God always just miraculously I'm pulled out. We play our role in faith. And God, the God of leftovers who formed this earth, who spoke and the world was created, does his part. It's not too late for a miracle, even if you feel like you're in the tomb and it's going on the fourth day. I love it in Hebrews 12. It says, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Do not give up before the miracle. Don't let go of the rope. Don't stop having faith. When God called, he was ready. I love it. The moment they're like, God's calling you. He's up and going. But I believe it's because he had been calling out for God. It's not like he was sitting on the sidelines begging and then God called him. No, he was ready. Here, pick me, pick me, right? If you're yelling, pick me, pick me, and someone picks you, you're gone. You got picked. But he was calling out for Jesus, and Jesus called to him. And then he said, my rabbi, my healer. And if you're going to say my healer, you know what else you have to say? My Lord. Because he doesn't just get to be your healer and not your Lord. So it's my healer, but it's also my Lord. One of the things I was reading once, and it will always stick with me, said that he is not the Lord of your life if he's not the Lord of your every day. That's hard though, right? We can come to church on Sundays, but if he's not your Lord throughout the week, when he's asking you to do things, he's asking you to step out in faith, he's asking you to step out in obedience, he's asking you to be kind and gracious and patient with people. If he's not the Lord of your every day, can we yell, my healer? Because we see here that when Bartimaeus was healed, what did he do? He followed Jesus. My healer translated then to my Lord. I'll follow you. And what Bartimaeus did not know is that Jesus was about a week from the cross. So Jesus was headed to his crucifixion. So I can't help but imagine that Bartimaeus, following Jesus, found himself at the foot of the cross. This man, a blind beggar, healed and said, God, you're not just my healer, you're my Lord, I will follow you, had no clue that it might end up at the cross. We have to follow Jesus. Bartimaeus' healing led him to the foot of the cross. He was healed. God provides leftovers. Man, Jesus walks on the water. He calls Peter out. But I love it because he calls Peter out. <laughs> he said, Bartimaeus, come. Get up. You've got something to do. Bartimaeus followed him. There is an act of following Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, the verse I read earlier that said God will always provide plenty leftovers to share with others, this is this verse in context. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in a response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 
and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. If we were to just take this verse out of context, you could be like, God has leftovers, rain down on me, <laughs> right? But when you put this verse in context, it's saying those who plant few seeds will get a small crop. Those who plant generously will get a generous crop. There is definitely a my Lord element to this. <laughs> Those who step out in faith before the generous crop is produced. Those who plant seeds when there is no fruit and no harvest in sight. <laughs> Those who give generously. Those who step out in faith. Those who follow the Lord. Who serve the Lord. Who do it even when it looks like no success in sight, no fruit in sight, no reward in sight. He will provide plenty of leftovers to share with others. Look, he is the one. I love it. He says he is the one who gives seeds that we even plant. He's the resource. He's the one who even gives the seeds. And he increases it. But we get to follow him in that process. We sow generously. We take advantage of the resources of heaven and we use them. In Matthew 10, 8, it says this. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Man, the heaven, the resources of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely. You have received, freely give. Man, he's saying the resources of heaven have arrived. Freely give them. Give healing. Drive out demons. Cleanse people. Raise the dead. You have the resources of heaven. One of our pastors and mentors, actually the one that's helping to pay to paint our church, was speaking to a room of pastors last week, and he was talking about how many of you don't have because you're not actually utilizing what God's given you. And if you want God to show up, step out in faith. <laughs> paint something before you have all the resources. Step out in faith and watch God show up. And that's hard because we need to use wisdom. And these are the resources. Let me tell you, it's hard. If me and TD with this church step out in faith and you guys decide you don't like us, we're out of a job. We have a house payment. That's scary. That's real life. It doesn't just, when we make these decisions of faith to step out on behalf of the church, we're not just having faith for the church. We're having faith for our personal lives. For our child who will no longer get a paycheck if this fails. He, like, how will we provide, right? It takes faith, and that is not easy. I think sometimes in our minds we start believing that, well, it's easier for those people to have faith. Absolutely not. Faith is hard. It takes personal sacrifice to give what you don't have, to pray for someone when you're mourning, to believe for something good for someone else when you just experience death. It takes faith to look at Jesus. But I want to end this message today with the fact that he sees you. In the midst of it all, he sees you. We see in this scripture that Jesus stood still. Amidst the noise of the crowd, Jesus hears the cry of a beggar. And he stops in his tracks. 
I mean, people were screaming and yelling. It was chaos. And he heard the beggar. While Jesus was trying to get along to grieve, to get alone, he sees the needs of people. His ears are attuned to his people in the midst of a storm. He sees the marginal person. Look, the woman with bleeding in chapter 5, the sick in chapter 6, another blind man in chapter 8, a boy with a spirit in chapter 9, little children in chapter 10, and now a blind man and a beggar sitting on the side of the road. He stopped and he heard him. And look, Jesus was on his way to the cross. Like Jesus had just come off the death of a friend and now is headed to his horrific crucifixion. And he still stopped and heard the beggar. He sees you, he cares for you, and he is calling you to more. So they called the blind man up and they said, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Man, we have to cheer up, right? He's calling us. And then we have to follow close behind him. Don't lose sight of him. In the storm, in the chaos, in the waves, in the pasture where you don't see like you have any resources of the city, we can't lose sight of him. Don't be healed of blindness only to become blind again. I see it so often. Bartimaeus could have been healed from his blindness, blindness and not stayed close to Jesus. We've got to be healed from our blindness and then follow close behind him so we do not lose sight of him. Many of us are blind because we've lost sight of Jesus in the midst of the storm. And it's time today to get close enough to God to reach out and grab him to set our sights on him. Don't turn back. I love it because the first thing Bartimaeus saw when he was healed was what? The face of Jesus. The first thing he saw. And then he didn't stop seeing it. He followed Jesus, that face. And many of us need to get up close with Jesus again. We need to lock eyes with the king, the one who formed the earth, the one who knows us, the one who sees us, and chaos and grief and pain happening all around us. we got to lock eyes with Jesus. When you feel like you can't see, when you can't see God and everyone else can, when you feel like a beggar, while everyone else is celebrating, when you don't have the resources or the abilities, don't lose gaze of him. When I was going through a really difficult time in my life, probably one of the most difficult I've been through, I wrote a song, which I can't sing, but I sang it in my room by myself, but it said over and over, when I cannot see what's in front of me, Lord, whisper behind me. And some of us this morning need to hear this. Bartimaeus was blind. And he still set his sights on Jesus. And some of us need to start honing our other senses. God, when I cannot see what's in front of me, Lord, whisper behind me. I got other senses. And I'll use them. In Isaiah 18, it says this. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is faithful, God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sounds of his cry. He's speaking to a specific people who are in the midst of their own storm. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. I love it. In the midst of their storm, he's saying, hey, you will see your teacher with your own eyes. 
And then it goes on to say, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Man, if you can't see today, listen for Jesus. Keep your gaze on him. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. The God who laid the foundations of the earth who marked out the dimensions, who shut the doors of the waters, the God who brings life out of death, who brings abundance to remote places, who creates lack from leftovers, who walks on top of the waves. Look, the wind and the waves, we know the song. It says the wind and the waves still know his name. This God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The storm has not forgot that he is master over them. This earth has not forgotten that they are crying out to God. Our circumstances and our situations are still bowed down to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has not changed. He is still the God that he was when he spoke to Job, saying, brace yourself like a man. Remember who I am. So today, can we set our eyes on God? Man, off of our lack and onto our leftovers. Look, I am in no way promising that lack will disappear until we are in heaven. But I do know we have access to the resources of heaven, which is much bigger deal than the lack that we will face on earth. And we got to get out of poverty mentality when it comes to God, because we are rich. (laughs) We are really rich. We have the resources, the abundance of heaven, and we have the Holy Spirit living within us. It says that because of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you will do greater things than I even did. So we got to rise up. Because we have that God in us. We have the resources of heaven, no matter what it looks like, and it's not easy. But we got to get a discipline of setting our sights on God. So as we pray this morning, if we could have the worship team come up, we're just going to close with one last worship song. And my prayer today is that as we worship, that, man, those of us who are in the midst of a horrific situation, that God would be so close that we would see him, that we would reach out for him, take hold with faith, maybe the little we have, we would strengthen our weak hands. We would grab hold of the resources of heaven.